Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. My name is Mike Tanner, and I'm your host today, and I'm here with some good friends. Ron Huntley, thanks for joining us today. Good to be here, Mike. And Rob McDowell, thank you for being here as well. Well, Mike. And today we have a special guest, a guest we have never before had in studio. Uh, and I was really excited when I found out that they were the guests, and I, I know you guys were as well. So we'd like to welcome Dan O'Rourke. I'm having an identity crisis, Mike. <laughs> You're in my chair. This is really confusing. I am in your chair. It's, Holy. Uh, it's a nice spot. It's, I like it here. It's, it's good. So I'm used to sitting there asking questions and not having to think. Now I've got to sit over here and actually offer something other than questions. It's, it's very off-putting. It's a very different experience, isn't it? Oh, so, my gosh. I have no idea uh, where this is going to go. I'm excited to actually uh, – one of the things that we that we want people to do all the time is to sort of – have an experience and sort of challenge themselves in certain ways. And I think this is really fun because typically you're here mm-hmm. guiding the conversation and you don't get to say much. Uh, and so today you are expected to say an awful lot. So oh I hope that you have uh, a lot to say today. <laughs> and uh, the topic that we wanted to, to talk about today, I think it's important as we talk about building teams and all these sorts of things are mm-hmm. how do we recruit for ministry and raise up leaders? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we do that? effectively? How do we do that at all? So Ron, I know this is something that that has been a a big passion of yours. Mm -hmm. So, you know, without giving me the one word answer, how do we recruit for ministry and how do we raise up leaders? What, what's it, what's it all about? Yeah, it's, it's really important. It's built right into how people do alpha, but alpha is just one ministry and not just one ministry. It's a foundational ministry, but every other ministry struggles with it too. In fact, when we were, helping when you come alongside of ministry leaders and ask them what their biggest struggle is, I guarantee you, no matter where you live in the world, <laughs> no matter where you live in the world or what ministry is, the number one thing ministry leaders struggle with is not having enough people in their ministry. Mm-hmm. And so it really is something, a problem that we have to help people solve if we're in leadership and we want to equip these different ministries. And so I've whittled it down to six things. I'll just spit through them and then we can maybe unpack it. But the first thing is we need to be able to identify potential team members. The second thing is we need to be able to recruit them effectively. The third thing is we need to equip them well so that they do what they do well. The fourth thing is then we need to empower them with uh, some form of ministry and or leadership. And then we need to support them well. And finally, we need to multiply them and help them multiply themselves. Mm. And so I think that six-fold process is what all of us can apply to our ministries, but not only our ministries. You can apply this to your volunteer work outside of the church. You can apply this to your business. Like These principles can be applied to anything that has a mission and a purpose, and you need to resource with great people to be successful. And what, um, you know, I guess one of my things is it, it, it sounds great. Like you're like, okay, those are all the steps. But I think in particular of identification. So how do you, you know, Rob, as, you, as you're working with a group, as you're, as you're working with a team, how do you start to identify the people that you want to bring into leadership situations? And, and what does that look like? Yeah, one of the things that we're always talking about, you know, particularly is, is leadership pipelines, right? And so you want to have avenues and onboards for, you know, say everybody, but at least the majority of people where people get to step into and, and do tasks, right? Mm. And when they're in the tasks, you want to be observing them well, right? And we talk about, you know, we have the, what we use the acronym FACT, Faithful, Available, Contagious, and Teachable, right? Mm. And, you're, and you're trying to, as they go about their day-to-day response or their, their tasks, 
you're asking yourself the question, can they lead themselves well? Right? Because if you can't lead yourself well, you're never going to lead anyone else well. Mm -hmm. And then from that, observe, you know, what their gifts and abilities are. And if you see in them the ability to actually step up and not just lead themselves well, but lead other people well, um, then that's an opportunity to go in and have a conversation with them and, you know, cast the vision and invite them into to stepping up. Yeah, and so, you know, Rob's, <coughs> what Rob just shared was probably multiple steps all at mm -hmm. once within that, right? Because it assumes mm -hmm. they're already in ministry, which means you already recruited them. Right. And so the FACT absolutely does help you in multiple phases of developing people. But the recruiting is, you know, here's what, how most people recruit in the church for <laughs> ministries. Hey, Father, could you do an announcement? We don't have enough people. And, and or can we put it in the bulletin? Because that works every time. Like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> and if all Father's talking about is all the ministries that don't have anybody to do anything, he's going to be up there talking a long time because it's a problem for everybody. And so really the best way to identify people is to get to know people. Like, how are you getting to know people? And the problem with churches, oftentimes we're in a particular ministry for so long, all we're doing is hanging out with the same people all the time. So you're literally not meeting anyone new. Yeah. And that's where Alpha can be such a great tool because you literally have dinner with people 11 weeks in a row. <laughs> yeah. you just think about the last time you had dinner with the same people 11 weeks in a row. And it, it just exposes you to people you have, you've never met before. And when you start to hit it off with them and chemistry builds up, then all of a sudden the invitation is usually easier to make. Uh, and it's easier to receive because... If you're asking me to something and I've gotten to know you, I grow in trust for you. Mm -hmm. And the problem with most churches is we're just hanging around with the same people all the time. No wonder we can't find anybody new to, to identify as potential people for our ministry. And so we have to find ways to create platforms where we're getting to know different people. We have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to you know, make it a point. And so in your particular ministry, I would challenge five or six people and say, I want you to, to introduce yourself to three new people in the next two weeks mm. and come back and find out who are they. What, tell me about their family. Where did they come from? You know, what's their faith story? Uh, what are they engaged with now? And, and start to challenge yourself to grow your base of people that you know. And so I think in terms of, of identifying, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge for most church. So people. I was talking to, to Laura, my wife, last night, and she leads uh, the kids ministry at St. Benedict Parish. And it's a fairly big ministry, 100-some-odd kids every week coming, mm -hmm. uh, more if you add in the 5-6 and the youth work that she's also doing. So it's a lot of people, right? And um, and I know just just uh, just recently that she had some, some volunteers that were unable, some of her team were unable to attend because of... Um, uh, other real life commitments, and it's not yeah. a, it's not going to be a regular thing. But anyways, the point is, what it put in, into into perspective for her is that there's a gap right now uh, that there, she has on her team. She needs more. She needs more team. And as we were talking about recruiting team, and so the fact that we're here talking today about it is actually re really um, re really serendipitous. And mm. you know, my my first thing, my my first thought when when I spoke spoke to Laura, when I speak to others about this, is to do what we do at Divine Renovation, and I, we do this so naturally that you know I think some people might accidentally skip this step. Uh, but the very first thing is pray. <laughs> like pray for the right person. Pray that God is preparing the right person, that they're creating the opportunity for you to connect with the right person. There hasn't been a single job posting, volunteer posting inside so this organization true. that we didn't start by praying about. So true. Mm -hmm. Sounds almost biblical. <laughs> and I, I do think it's, it's, it's so obvious, but I, I, I suspect that there are so many people out there trying to recruit team 
that are all focused so 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 desperately focused on the outcome <coughs> that they're forgetting that this is actually ministry mm. is not a thing that is man of man it is a thing of God Amen. and if it's a thing of God we need God to put a call into the hearts of the people around us and then we have to create the invitation convict it mm. Mm. Totally well, what did good. what did Jesus spend the night doing before he recruited his disciples mm. praying I don't know let me look. <laughs> I think it's in here somewhere. I got it on the phone. Whatever. It's the same and Andy thing. didn't do a strengths finder assessment before he recruited them on the beach, right? I mean, yeah. the other thing is like, there's an element of like, are we being led by the Holy Spirit when we try and find people? And I, and I wonder mm. sometimes if we're getting the right balance on some of these things because we can get so very good. scientific about it, and and there's real value in it. Um, but I, I do wonder, oh, you know, what, what's God mm. trying to do through us as we try to equip these ministries? Because ministry, at the end of the day, is service—service mm. service not just to our community, but more importantly, service to God. Mm. What uh, I mean. One of the things that I find that happens all the time, and this is as you get further in the steps, is that we we identify a need. We're like, we need someone to lead this ministry. Or we need someone to do something. And we find someone who's willing to do it. Not always able to do it. Not always created it, but we find someone sometimes that's willing to do it. But that support step to me is something that I think is missing in a lot of cases. As soon as we have someone that says, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take on this, we go, great. Now it's off my plate. Now you can go handle it. So mm-hmm. What would you say to someone who's sort of at, at the sort of recruitment and leadership side of a ministry um, or a church in this case? What would you say to them to what does support look like for someone that you've brought into a, a leadership or a ministry role? Can I back us up a bit if I could, just in terms, because that's really important and we do need to talk about that. But if I love the fact that we brought prayer and that's the primary thing, like what a mess, but so true. And the second thing is grow your base of people that you know. Like stop Mm -hmm. being so insular and start getting out of your comfort zone and getting to know people in the pews because so few of them serve, but so few of them even know how to get engaged. And so that's, but then the second part is to recruit. So how do you recruit? And that's when we talk about having that conversation like I see in you. Here's what I see in you. Can we see the best in people? Can we call out the best in people? And can we want the best for people? And so that's how you recruit. It comes from an authentic place that, hey, you know what? I think you'd really enjoy this ministry. One of the things that I see in you, Dan, is that, you know, you love your kids and you're great with them. And you mentioned that you have, you know, your house is the house that people come to to hang out and have fun. You have a real sense of hospitality and you care for kids. I think the children's ministry would be something that you'd have a ton of fun in. And it would really help us build our support to families at our church. Is that something you'd be willing to pray about, Joe? Joining our team because I really do believe you'd have fun. Like that's the I see in you conversation. That is way better than what you hinted at, Mike, which is so true. It's like, uh-oh, we have a hole. We have a problem to fill. And therefore it's like Dan just happened to be the guy that walked by and his kids go to the children's ministry anyway. So I'm going to guilt him into it, which is a reasonable strategy. I just don't (laughs) think, I just don't think it has people's best interest in mind as much as it has our best interest in mind. And there's a tension there that we find ourselves in. One of the things I'd build on that too is as leaders, a lot of times we feel fearful and insecure around recruiting. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the better, you know, yourself, the, the, and, and what an approach would look like for you. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, you know, you've got activator on You're high, you're more high energy than I am. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the, if I tried to recruit the way you do, Mm. I would have so I'd have so much anxiety sure. and you know yeah. things like that but I know that like I have a recruiter and I have or I have some not recruiter relator, <laughs> relator. <laughs> that would that's be a good amazing. that's going to be really helpful that's going to be a really helpful tool oh. I have I have relator so for me I have to have 
a fair amount of information about the person that I'm confident because in that I know who they are mm-hmm. and I have learners. So I typically have a fair amount of information about what the task is. So that gives me confidence Excellent. when I go in. Other people might have woo, other people might have, you know, so there's all kinds of different things. So I'd say in, in trying to think through how you recruit, mm. think through what's going to give you a sense of confidence uh, for something. If, if that creates a lot of anxiousness or anxiety in you or you're, 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 you're fearful of, you know, being rejected or what that looks like. And and just go ahead with that 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 clarity. Yeah. Of doing it, so. What I love about that is the same we both have the same goal. Yeah. Like the goal hasn't changed. Fruitfulness hasn't changed. Success what success looks like hasn't changed, but how we go about doing it based on how we're hardwired and it does need to be taken into consideration. I absolutely love that. Mm. What can't happen though is oh I'm good at it, so I'll do it. You're not good at mm. it, so you don't do it. That's not what we're talking no. about. We're saying no. we all need to do this. We need to equip all of our leaders to be good at this. And so to be able to take how they're hardwired into account as we're helping them develop strategies to be fruitful in identifying and recruiting is is critical. You know, coming into this conversation today, I was I was like, I'm not sure what I've got to offer. I mean, like, I, have I recruited people for ministry? Yes. But I'm looking at, at you, Rob, and you, Ron. I'm like, you've recruited a million people into ministry, Ron. And mm-hmm. and so what can I possibly offer compared to, to some of your your, uh, your experience? And so I was actually doing a little bit of research last night just to get my own thoughts ready so I could be in this conversation really mm-hmm. fully. And you know what struck me? And, and I think you're going to get this so quickly, buddy. I, I think mm-hmm. you're going to see it, what I mean. But what struck me is, you know, so much of the conversation about how you recruit people into ministry is actually very, very similar to the conversations we would have as a ministry in terms of how do we recruit donors to help our ministry thrive and survive. Mm. Because what are we doing? We're asking nice. people to give, yeah. right? And so, so it's yeah. like, okay, we're asking to give. It's that time, talent, treasure, right? This is, this is you know, I've been in a lot of conversations in the last year about how do we get supporters mm. into the ministry to continue to help us grow. We're a charity, and we, we're, we're, we grow through the support of donors. Uh, and so... It's been a huge part of, of, of my my growth in terms of my mm. leadership is how do I how do I get people Mine to, too. to yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and so you, you do it so naturally though, Ron. And even in your little your little sample that you gave us early about recruiting someone, recruiting me into, into kids ministry, which I'm all in for, by the <laughs> which way. Which sounded good. I was like, I think hey, Laura, he's gonna be just, in kids. I think I'm in it. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but you know what you spoke on and you do it so naturally, but I want to tease it out for people who who aren't as natural at it as, as you might be is you don't speak to the problem. You, you speak to the opportunity of impact, mm. right? It's like you, you didn't say, look, you know, we're short a whole bunch of people at kids ministry and we could really use the help. That's one way you can do it. And you will get some people. That is a way. Mm. Uh, and it's just not necessarily the most fruitful way. What you started to do is paint a picture of, of how their, their, their giving is going to make an impact. And mm. I, I can't remember your exact wording, but the opportunity is something like, you know, Hey, look! You know it's really important that that kids in our parish want to, to want to come to church. That they're that they're growing in relationship with Jesus. That that the faith is important to them. And we also want it for parents upstairs and, and our church to be able to experience the mass fully and completely. And would you be willing to help make that happen? Because mm-hmm. we have this kids ministry and it is going really well. And kids are on fire for faith. Mm-hmm. They're dragging their parents to church. It's the kind of church that we want to be. Is that something that you want to contribute to? Right. And that's a different ask. Yeah. yeah and so what you're doing is you're casting vision. You're casting vision of what we want to create for families. And so the, the nuance in that would be, is that instead of saying, is that something you would like to help manage? It says, I see you have the gifts yeah. to bring that right. to, to, to fruition. And I think you would love it. I like yeah. Right? Versus, would you be willing see, to help? This is so naturally. <laughs> Me, well, I don't think it through a little bit. It's natural. But, but your point is yeah. t- well taken because you're, yeah. create, you're painting the picture of what the church could look like. And you clearly have the gifts to make that happen because you do it in your own life anyway. 
would you be willing to use your gifts to help us to get there? Because I think you're going to love it. Mm-hmm. But but in that, you're also showing the fact that what you do will will make a difference. Right. You're not just plugging a hole. Right. You're not just yeah. filling time. It, it's going to fulfill a vision. But and, and so what you're going to do is, is actually make a difference with your time. Yeah. You know, as opposed to like, yeah, we could really use twenty, uh, you know, twenty more people to do this. Yeah. And wondering if you'd be willing to show up every Tuesday afternoon for three hours. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, so we're just something to keep the doors open. We're just, you know, there's there's no real like like what difference is it going to make if I show up to this ministry or this, you know. And I also think back to that identify step, uh, step one, which is, you know, how, how do we how do we identify the right people and what are some of the qualities we're looking for? And for me, I, automatically, we've done this in, in, in our ministry over and over and over again, is, is it, it becomes a question of, of what is their trajectory towards Jesus? What is their trajectory into our faith? Are they moving closer to God? Is that something they're desiring? Are we seeing symptoms of that over in their lives? Because we can often, we'll rule people out, oh, they're early in their journey, or uh, you, know, they're, they're not, they're, you know, they're not quite Catholic enough yet. Uh, and it's like, well, that might be true depending on the ministry we're talking about. Right. But I'm more keen to see whether or not they're moving and growing in their faith, whether they're hungry and chasing God in their lives, because I think that's a better statement of health. I would prefer someone who is further away but is on the right trajectory than someone who has been that long traditional uh, parishioner that's been in the front pew for, for the last 30 years but isn't showing me any movement in terms of their trajectory. They're not, they're not on fire in the way that I would be looking for. Now that we've, we've identified someone, we think they're the right person, we've recruited them, now hopefully they think they're the right person, uh, how do we then equip them for success? What does that look like, Rob? Well, you got to really focus on what the onboarding process looks like with them, you know. And so what do they need to be successful? What information do they need? Is this a, is this a position where you need them to be really clear on the vision or not as clear, you know, depending on the scope of what they're doing, things along those lines? So what information do they need? And then what skills do they need? And are, do they naturally already have those skills? And do we know that? We're not, or are we going to work with them to help them have those skills? I think is a couple of the questions that you need to kind of wrestle through. I love that because what you're saying is just because somebody does comes into your ministry doesn't mean they need to be able to do the whole thing right off the bat. Like have entry-level places where they can just dip their toe, get to know the people in the ministry. Hopefully you've buddied them up with somebody that's contagious and, and fun and remembers what it was like to start new and work them into the ministry in ways that are gentle and appropriate versus giving them a great big binder and say, welcome to the ministry, you start next week. (laughs) So I I don't do this very well. Uh, So if I admit my own failing in this, I, I think I'm fairly good at doing the what does done look like because uh, it's, it's something I'll always have in my head. Like, mm-hmm. this is what I want the outcome to be. And for some personality types, that's exactly what they need, right? They, mm-hmm. they need to know what done looks like, and they're going to figure out the steps to get from here to there. Mm-hmm. However, there's an entirely different personality type that rankles under 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 me occasionally in terms of how they how they engage with me when, I, when I'm trying to support them. And they're like, wait, you just told me how, what the end looks like. Well, I don't know what the first, like, 30 steps are, right. and I'm not wired to necessarily guide people through that well. I, I, I need someone mm. to actually come around me with a binder mm. to hand me the binder because I just know right. what the outcome's supposed to look like. But in terms of the onboarding, we have to love them enough to, to, to support them through through early steps if they need it in the same way that we need to be able to cast the picture for, for what the final destination might be in their role. And if you're one of those people that has that same perspective, and I would say Father James is like you too, Dan, that yeah. way. Uh, you guys, uh, which is, there's nothing wrong with that if you've got the right people, but there's a whole subset of people that that's not the right thing for. Mm-hmm. And there's a great book that I would advise if you're, if you're listening and you feel like you're in that position. Ken Blanchard, uh, who wrote The One Minute Manager, also did something on... 
uh, situational leadership. And it's so good because it breaks it down into four categories, directional leadership, coaching, support, and delegating. And what you're saying, Dan, is I'm a delegator. I say what Dunn looks like and say, go get him. I trust you. You're, yeah. <laughs> you know, let me know if you need me, which is crippling if people don't know the mm-hmm. steps. When they don't know the steps, we have to change our leadership style to be one of, 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 of um, what's that first one I said? Uh, directive. directive. Directive, thank you. Yep. Uh, and really tell, walk with them hand in hand through everything. Well, you've challenged me uh, on, on a number of occasions, Ron. You've, you've coached me into this. You've challenged me on this. You've, you've punched me, I think, occasionally. <laughs> because I do. I lean so heavily into that delegative um, leadership style. And, and if, if a person on our team uh, is is it doesn't respond well to that? It's not a it, it doesn't condemn them. It's, no. it's not, the problem isn't them. The problem is me. Mm. And and so I'm like, okay, yeah, you're right. I've got I've got to grow as a, in, in my leadership roles in order to support them in a way that they can actually uh, do the thing that God's calling them to do. And that that can be challenging for us as leaders, especially if and you gave me the language and the book. Uh, you gave me the language and the book to to, to understand. Okay, I've you know some of my my natural tendencies. Yeah are going to get in the way of people succeeding. Well, that's a problem that I've got to solve, not that they've got to solve. Well, and I, I think that that comes into, like that leads really to me, that conversation especially leads me into the empowerment side of things because very few people feel very empowered in their day-to-day life. Most people go to their job and they're told what to do and they're told the tasks and they're told what everything looks like and they're never told, go take a risk, go do something. I trust you. I have faith in you. I believe in you and you get to go do that. So when you say to someone, who's coming from a situation where their boss says, these are all the things I need in the, all the paperwork this week. And then you say, I trust you, go do it. This is what the end looks like. They're like, am I going to get in trouble if I actually go ahead and do this? And that, that's, a, that's a huge struggle yeah. I know for some people. Well, and what you're talking about, Mike, is, is, a, is the opposite of what Dan's talking about, but it's the same problem. That's yeah. If people have a directive, natural directive leadership style and somebody's actually really competent in an area, then now they feel micromanaged. Yep. And that's no fun either. Yep. And so what would it look like if all of us as leaders in the church and ministries and you know pastors, leadership teams, understood those four different styles and we could change our own leadership style mm-hmm. based on what was needed from the people that we were equipping. And that's really what we're saying. A number of years ago, and this came, I think, out of the Boy Scouts organization, but it was uh, one of the practical things that I kind of tucked away. Is like when you're when you're recruiting volunteers and it's kind of that tension between how much information and not giving them too much information. You said, don't throw a binder at them. And I remember this guy saying, what are the three most important things they need to know to be successful and write, write out three bullet points. And that'll be, that, that'll give them enough direction, know what it is, but it's not so much information that overwhelms them. And I just remember that kind of being a rule of thumb, of, you know, how do you summarize it so that three things would help someone know what it looks like to be successful. You know, Post, post-recruiting, and, and I think this is what gets it, is, is empowering people. So once you've recruited them, then, Rob, you were saying we're always watching through FACT. Are they, you know, how are they doing in their ministry? You know, what is their trajectory? What is their openness? Are they responding well to the ministry and engaging in the spirit of whatever it is we're doing in a way that's fun and contagious and, and generous? Um, and, and so we give them a ministry and we watch them. And, and so, and if they do well, then we empower them maybe even to take on a leadership role. Like we have to take a risk at some point, and it's a calculated risk based on evaluating how they're doing and literally being shoulder to shoulder with them in ministry. It's the best way to do it. And I would suggest it's better than, because sometimes I get asked, you know, should we use strength finders to do this or APES to do this? In other words, 
can I do it without having a relationship with people? <laughs> right? And I'm thinking, not well. <clears throat> not well. It's actually relationship is how we do everything we do. All these other tools just help us to put language around it, but it doesn't replace mm. building those relationships. And we get to a point in the recruiting process, if they've said yes, that we start to see how they function in ministry, and then we empower them with a, with a role of a leadership and influence. I love in Romans 12, 3, uh, it talks there about um, think of yourselves with sober judgment or think of mm. yourselves accurately. Like, and, and so it speaks right. to self-awareness. And then right after that, it talks about uh, in verse 4 and 5, about connecting into the body mm. and being part of it, you know, and it's like we need to be self-aware. Why? So we know where we fit. So we know where we fit relationally, right? So the two go hand in hand. And as you get connected into community, community helps you grow in further self-awareness and understanding what you do well. And then Paul continues in that passage down in verses six to eight to talk about the different different strengths that you can have mm-hmm. to use in the church, right? And so what you're talking about, Ron, and the idea of relationship, and, and this is true uh, for us, is is when you get feedback, healthy feedback from people, when you're living in relationship, when you say, oh, you did a great job about that, or, you, you know, you're able to say, I don't think you're as good in that area. You know, it, it, it helps you to grow. It helps yes. you to figure out what you're good at. It helps you to figure out how you should be empowered. I, I think this conversation has been great for people because I think that there's... Are you trying to kill our conversation? I'm yeah. a, I'm I'm not we haven't I'm talked about support trying yet. Trying to immediately kill <laughs> the conversation. Um, I feel like I'm being disempowered. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 I'm cognizant of time and I, I would like to actually finish off with sort of the, mm. the support and then raising up mm. leaders. Um, but when we're talking about that, if, if you're a parish and mm. you're saying, okay, we have this need, we've, we've started to identify things... How do you make that ramp up and take off? How, how, how do you go beyond just like, okay, we've got the roles filled and we, we're helping people do it. What's that final push in terms of getting that to be a successful program that then feeds that program? So I think part of it, and, and I've been guilty of this, terribly guilty of it, is when you do recruit really good people and they become good leaders and you get really excited about them, you leave them alone. And you assume they're always going to be equally jacked up, equally excited and motivated and inspired and equipped. And it's not true. Everyone needs support, no matter how amazing they are. And we've often fallen into the trap of thinking they don't need us. And that's always the wrong thing. And so we need to support our, sometimes we try, we over support the people who need it the most and we under support the people who are most competent. But the reality is if you really support well, your competent people, you'll get a disproportionate return on your investment of time and energy. Mm-hmm. And so we really do need to be careful of under-supporting really competent people. And finally, if you're supporting those people well, then to teach them how to identify, teach them how you saw them and how you brought them through that process of identify, recruit, equip, empower, and support. And then encourage them to use that lens of FACT to find people that they believe would be great for the ministry. And, and that whole process perpetuates itself. And so mm-hmm. I think that's what works. We've seen it work over and over again. It is not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy. It requires discipline, intentionality, and it can never end because as soon as you stop doing it, your ministry will be hurting for people before you know it. Well, the biggest temptation that is when you've got someone's competent doing well, and you've got problems and issues and things like that. It's so 
easy to just allow your focus to go to the problems. Oh, mm -hmm. they're, they're good. I'll just ignore them. And so you have to discipline yourself to ignore the problems and focus on the potential, right? And that's not, that's not necessarily intuitive mm -hmm. for us sometimes. Sometimes I say, maybe as a closing comment, I say people are not problems to be solved. They're opportunities to be maximized. Mm -hmm. And so if all you're doing is firefighting, it's the wrong approach. We need to take a look at the people of capacity and all and just and maximize what people can, who they are. And here's the thing at St. Bennett Parish and within the Ministry of Divine Renovation, we see over and over again people doing things they've never done before. And it's impacting every part of their life, not just we have people in ministry. Right. It makes them better parents. It makes them better spouses. It makes them better business people. It makes them better employees. And that's what we want the church to do, make people awesome. Well, I, I want to thank both of you and our humble guest today for joining us. Uh, and I, I want to thank especially you for joining us today. And I want to really invite you, DR20 is an opportunity to have these sorts of conversations with people, with people who've done this, with people who've experienced exactly what you're experiencing. So I really invite you to join us next summer in Halifax for DR20. And until next week, God bless. Thanks for listening. The Divine Renovation Guidebook is packed full of information, ideas, and examples where you can put pen to paper and work out your own goals and vision. To purchase your copy, follow the link in the description below. Next week on the podcast. The beginning of his public ministry, you know, Jesus, after he heals Peter's mother-in-law, goes up to the, the hills to pray, and Peter comes the next morning and says, Lord, what are you doing here? Everyone's looking for you. The Lord is like, nope, I've got to go on to the next time, because that's my purpose. That's my mission. Mm -hmm. So he, to the very nature, if you're mission focused, it inevitably means that you will have to be practiced in the art of saying no. Yeah. Not just to bad ideas, not just to bad things, but to good things.